0: As above So below. Welcome to Connecting with Coincidence. I am your host Dr. Bernard Beitman, MD, psychiatrist who does psychotherapy. I mean, I study meaningful coincidences like synchronicity and serendipity because they're useful in figuring out how the world works, as well as helping people in their own personal lives, making decisions and spiritually to grow. And I've been doing this as a psychiatrist, trying to use my experience and uh, training uh, to figure out meaningful coincidences. And I haven't run across too many people Exactly, nobody really. A psychiatrist who's doing something similar to me, and my coincidence story f- for today is just about such a psychiatrist, whom we will be meeting today in today's interview. I met Anna, Yuseem, through uh, Krista and G, who were part of the coincidence project, and with whom I continue to have contact about meaningful coincidences. And Anna sent me her book, Fulfillment, uh, which is wonderfully written and especially wonderfully written for me because her writing style is very much like mine. She's a psychiatrist, she's a clinician, she tries to make things happen positively for people and she has academic training um, and she's very spiritual in her looking in her look at things. Well, she writes like me. She as an academic, she's got lots of references in her book to papers and books as I do. And she's got her own clinical examples from her own personal clinical experiences. That's what I did. But even more than that, she had a couple of examples of ideas that I had, that I hadn't seen anyplace else. And as I have tried to be able to say about coincidences, if you experience something that seems weird, somebody else is doing it too. And that's what I have with Anna Yusim. She and I are doing something very similar. There's a mirror you know, of my mind in hers and hers in mine. And one of the stories that she told in her book is about a woman who was choking uh, thousands of miles away while her mother was was uh, suffocating and it's very similar to a story you might remember about my father and me he was choking on his own blood and dying and i was choking three thousand miles away uncontrollably for reasons i only found out the next day well it was nice to see that and it was nice to see many stories in her book that are the same ones i have but with different perspectives on them well she writes about telepathy Uh, I've developed a a model for telepathy, which uh, I hope to talk with Anna about, maybe not today, but another time. And for our discussion today, she was able to describe the energy signatures of each human being, that each of us has an energy signature. And today we'll start off probably talking about what that means for each of us personally and interpersonally as well as part of a global community. Well, let me tell you a little bit about Anna. She's uh, quite amazing in the things that she has done. She's internationally recognized, award-winning, board-certified Stanford and Yale-educated psychiatrist. And by the way, I went to Stanford for my residency, and I went to Yale for my medical school education, and she was at Yale Medical School as well. And that makes the parallel even more fun with uh, Anna and me. At Yale, we both were given the liberty to research stuff that might have been weird, but Yale was encouraging researchers who had a clinical bent. She is a best-selling author of this book, Fulfilled Fulfilled, how the science of spirituality can help you live a happier life, a more meaningful life. She's on the clinical faculty at Yale and is presently creating a spirituality and mental health center at Yale. She's got clients including Forbes 500 CEOs, Olympic athletes, A-list actors and actresses, and the chairs of academic psychiatry, academic departments at top universities. She's helped a lot of people, and she helps people who help people, which is really an important part of all this. She studied neurobiology, she studied the Kabbalah, she's published over 150 academic articles and book chapters, scientific abstracts. She's very accomplished. She's, she's developing a movie now, uh, which reflects some of what she's got in her book and more. And she's writing another book now, which I maybe will find out about, so here's this, that's the synchronicity today. The woman that I'm talking to today mirrors my mind in a very lovely way. So Anna, you seem, thank you for being on the show. and such a pleasure to talk with you.
1: Thank you so much, Bernie. It's such a pleasure to be here with you.
0: <laughs> well, let's have a good time here. All right. We've had it already. Why don't you tell us a coincidence story just to get us warmed up?
1: Sure, sure. You know, my famous coincidence story is what happened with one of my patients. This was when I was studying Kabbalah about 10, 12 years ago, and I was on a trip to the Ukraine.
0: Why don't you describe what Kabbalah is for those who don't know it?
1: Yeah, so Kabbalah is a form of mysticism. There is Jewish Kabbalists, Christian Kabbalists, and it takes the ideas of Judaism, Christianity, and it looks at the mystical side of those ideas. If you look at, for instance, the Old Testament or the Torah as the law or the rules of how to live, the Kabbalah is the mystical commentary on those laws. And the book of Kabbalah, for instance, is the Zohar. zohar which has the mystical commentary of the bible essentially and another way to think about it it's the ideas of how energy works in this world let me just turn that off if someone doesn't get it
0: it's okay i can't hear it
1: okay you can't hear it okay good sorry about that
0: Uh, this is this is all whatever so don't worry about it so anyway those are very good descriptions of Kabbalah uh, to start off with and that's that's all we'll we'll need for for now but last night this interviewer from Riverside California uh, the per, a Persian Jew studies Kabbalah I mean we started getting into that a little bit too so we're there's something happening at least the, from my perspective the Kabbalah I interviewed somebody uh, who's wrote a book called The Kabbalah of Light, um, who's in New York City. Um, So there's something here going on, but we'll leave that alone. So let's go to one of your coincidence, your coincidence story.
1: Sure. So my favorite coincidence story is I was on this Kabbalah trip and I was in the Ukraine and that day we'd gone to the grave sites of many of the great Kabbalists, learning about their lives and what they accomplished um, during their time on earth. And that night I went to bed and I woke up in a start feeling that something is terribly wrong. I didn't know what was happening, but I felt compelled to check my email. And as I checked my email, I saw an email from a patient who had written me literally one minute prior to the time that I'd woken up saying that he was feeling suicidal. By virtue of having gotten that message, I was able to call my patient and in real time, literally and metaphorically talk him off the ledge. So had I not received that, would my patient have been okay? Perhaps, we just don't know. But the fact that that happened was so powerful and important to both myself and my patient. And to me, this made me start thinking, how is it that I was 5,000 miles and seven time zones away and yet still got this so-called message from my patient? Was it just a random coincidence that I was able to wake up at that moment or was there something more?
0: Of course, there's something more, uh, you know, the, my choking with my father, I mentioned earlier, the the many stories that you wrote in your book uh, about such things, and I call that simulapathy, the, the feeling the, of the pain of a loved one or the stress of a loved one at a distance, and that's 5,000 miles is pretty good. So we have to wonder how that happens. There's enough data now to say simulopathy is real. And we like it because it's it's clinical. It's, uh, it's, it's something that goes on between a patient and a doctor, but also between people who are emotionally connected with each other. That's a key part of, how, of the, a correlate of how, of how that happens. So why is that your favorite story, Anna?
1: It's my favorite story because it had a profound effect on both myself and my patient. And because it was so interesting in that something happened to me, I woke up and I got a so-called telepathic message about somebody that I care deeply about, but who was also so, so far away. And this idea of how interconnected we are as human beings across distances and also across time. So it makes you think about time and space and the continuum of time and space and really put into um, perspective Are we really separate from the people who are 5,000 miles away? Or are we on some other level completely connected and distance really makes no difference at all?
0: I think uh, we can talk about whether it makes a difference or not. Uh, I think it probably does, but not a difference that seems uh, like a difference right now because it happens around the same time. But the idea of being connected has been said many, many times. So what I'm trying to do, and I think you might be trying to do, is not whether we're connected. We are. We are part of something more, a greater mind, as some people call it. But I prefer to, to do our mental atmosphere. That it's just that it's it's still contained here within uh, what we know about Earth. There's more out there, uh, but it's enough complication re- for me being right here, and this psychosphere is where these connections can be monitored and examined and i think uh, probably tested uh, if when we figure out that what the model might be so you, you you profoundly knew telepathy exists that people connect like this way and there's some connection between people and obviously between you and your patients as with me and my patients there's telepathy that happens there as in your book you were describing and other people having it too Um, but I mentioned to you a guy who's a psychoanalyst whose patient was writing a novel that was mostly about him but they never really found out until much later something like what you were what you described but much bigger so th- this is really fun. I mean, this is like uh, being in a playground and saying, hey, look over here. <laughs> what, what I found is like, hey, what is this? And you pick it up and say, well, I don't know what it is. What do you think it is? It's kind of like playing around with it. That's what I like about it. It's, a, it's just a lot of fun because in its adventure of discovery and wonder um, based on curiosity. And so that's what you've got. So one of the things that I loved about your book, among many, is um, is uh, the idea of an energy signature, that each of us has an energy signature, kind of like a fingerprint. So we're vibrating in a certain frequency, but I think there's a lot of characteristics, like a lot of like resonating patterns within resonating patterns that make our energy sig- signatures kind of unique, kind of. But there are other people who have energy signatures very much like, hours a very good friend of mine and i just when we first met um she she put her hand over around where my energy pattern was and she's and can put it back to her energy field and she said it's the same (laughs) it's the same she's a pisces i'm a pisces born two days separate from each other when's your birthday february 27th
1: Mine's
0: the 23rd. Oh, so you just made it after Aquarius. So, well, that's, I mean, I'm thinking about having a Pisces party. Uh, uh, I'm in. (laughs) Well, you're going to come? I'm in. Yeah, why not? Okay, why not? I mean, it's, we won't go into it but being a pisces is has its problems you have the benefit of being near aquarius so you have more mental stuff going on when you get towards the middle it can you get really lost in the ponds my my parents were both pisces my brother was a cancer so i was raised in a puddle and or something bigger than that so it's it that's not a joke although it's funny uh it really had an impact but
1: I I totally get it and I have a number of Pisces friends that we can invite to your Pisces party
0: they would come to Charlottesville maybe maybe you never know well (laughs) to have a have a bunch of fish swimming around in one place with not too much Scorpio energy because you got to be careful about that (laughs) (laughs) but it helps it vibrates the place up (laughs) I talked to a Pisces yesterday who I sure had put some Scorpio or something in there. I mean, like that. Anyway, energy signatures. Tell us about energy signature.
1: Yes, yes, energy signature. So the way that I see that, Bernie, is just like you said, that essentially all of us are vibrating at a certain level, right? Because we're matter as well as energy and as matter- We are vibrating. We have a vibrational frequency. And anything and everything that we do, whether it's our thoughts, our emotions, our behaviors, either increase or decrease that. The higher our vibrational frequency, the faster vibrating, the higher our consciousness, essentially. The more expanded we are, the more in line with our hearts we are, the greater of a destiny we can draw in, and the more we're going to draw in people like ourselves. And then every now and then as we fall down as we go down a rabbit hole, as we, you know, uh, go into regret, despair, sadness, fear, all the manifestations of ego that can take us down rabbit holes, then our vibrational frequency falls and we draw in destinies and individuals and experiences that are a little bit lower. And this is something really that David Hawkins, um, MD, PhD, a psychiatrist himself and a very, very prolific uh, writer and spiritual teacher has written about. And this is um, the essentially levels of consciousness that all of us have. And he said that at the average at that point was about 207, that there are many variations and people at the very top have a very high level of consciousness. They're the avatars of consciousness. And so the vibrational frequency, I think on some level is like that. And that everything we do, every thought, emotion, behavior, ultimately shifts our energy signature in a certain direction and then therefore shifts what comes into our life.
0: Well, let's let's, uh, let's allow us, people who like visuals, to have a visual here. Um, and what I'm trying to do as you describe this is, you know, just think of a, a sine wave. I mean, sine waves are fundamental to this reality. Uh, the sine wave uh, of positive and negative polarities of all kinds, black and white, but also the way sound moves and light moves you know that but it's also the way our energy frequencies work they're 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 vibrating uh in a in a basically sine wave pattern but in, in a lot with a lot of different variations in it so if you could help us visualize what an energy signature might look like the like the draw it and then i'd like to be able to see how that energy How that energy signal changes with thoughts and feelings, both positive and negative. And you said higher frequency. I'm guessing you think the, the signature is going faster when it goes yeah
1: yeah exactly and i I think it's really on some level a little electromagnetic field that all of us as human beings have and especially around our hearts and our minds right and at heart math they show that the energy field of the heart is many many times stronger than the field of the mind and it's essentially that that this is a field that's generated by the different systems i think our gut as well has its own brain so our gut has an energy signature as well but all of those together create some sort of unifying signature that we as human beings have. And like the way that I would envision it is indeed, it's a little bit of a vibration and the faster we go. And so to be clear also, you know, we're talking about heart, mind, body and soul, but everything impacts this, meaning the foods that you eat the thoughts that you think, the behaviors that you engage in, the habits that you have. So heart, mind, body. The people
0: you engage in your life.
1: Absolutely. All of that. All of that has an impact. And ultimately, that results in your thoughts and your emotions. And those are two very, very potent things that affect your frequency. And There are people who are thinking the right thoughts, feeling the right emotions, but sometimes they might have things with the body that doesn't allow their body to reach a high enough level, whether it could be illness of some sort or diet or something that's a little bit off. So I really believe that all parts of the human organism to some degree have to be aligned uh, with authenticity and soul alignment. So alignment of mind, body, and soul to really draw in what it is that is your highest destiny
0: you mentioned the energy pattern of the brain yes we've got that mm-hmm. uh the stronger energy pattern from the heart uh the guts own energy pattern um which you've mentioned um and they uh, they accumulate together they come together to have the energy signature uh that you, goes out from you that, infl- that it is what other people can pick up and is the totality totality of what you're experiencing now. So it's a, it's an integrative thing. And and just the mathematics of putting those three somewhat different sources of energy uh, would be fun to be thinking about, but that's all, that's as far as I'm going to do it, but you just see three different things coming out from you and somehow coming together somehow to create the energy signature that let's say I can pick up from you. But the you you mentioned a fourth thing, just kind of quickly, soul. And you imply that there's an energy signature of each soul. Could you talk about that?
1: Yeah. And so the soul is a very interesting concept, Bernie. I think as you and I both know. And it's something that you're really not taught about in medical school. No. And for me, this was quite the trip to complete my medical schooling, start my residency, and then really be presented with this concept of soul and take a deep dive to try to understand this. To try to understand this by starting to learn Kabbalah, going to different lectures at churches and synagogues, but then also starting a deeper inquiry into it by traveling around the world and asking many people from many different healing and spiritual modalities, what is the soul? And that included being in ashrams in India, learning Buddhist meditation in Thailand, learning uh, from different shamans in South Africa and South America, and in Israel, you know, learning from the people from the different religious communities there. And ultimately, my favorite definition of soul came from a Mexican shaman named Fernando Broca. And he described the soul as being comprised of two parts. One part is that which connects us to everybody and everything. So people often say we're one unified soul and that's what they mean. The other part of the soul is that which encapsulates your own uniqueness. So what you bring into the world that nobody else can. And so, Our soul is essentially this compilation of our uniqueness and our interconnectedness to others. And our soul very much, I believe, has this unique signature. You know, the soul is transcendent, so it's not, you know, people say it's it's ephemeral, whereas the body is very much in the 3D world. And yet we can be completely aligned with our soul, living in line with our purpose, doing what we need to be in this world, being mission-driven, being able to align with forgiveness and positive habits, et cetera. Or we can be misaligned with our soul and then feel all the repercussions of soul misalignment through many of the ailments that you and I treat, Bernie, anxiety, depression, uh, OCD, PTSD, all sorts of things. And so the voice of the soul is intuition and it's tapping into your intuition That I think ultimately align allows for soul alignment and neither the mind nor your heart or your emotions can guide you in a way that your soul or your intuition can the mind the heart and the intuition are all important to take into account when making important decisions but ultimately many of those decisions without intuition you can be led a little bit astray
0: we need to define intuition and we're not going to do it now Uh, it's a grab bag of many different things for many different people, and uh, I, it's it's just needs it needs better. It's a, it I'm glad to hear so many people talking about it, but when I hear them talking about it, it's still a, a, a oh stuff comes out of there. But anyway, you understand what I'm asking you is that you suggested or seem to suggest that our soul also has a vibrational frequency.
1: So. For vibrational frequency i believe that it has it's more contained in the body and yet the soul metaphor so when i say vibrational frequency i mean the physical vibrational frequency but also the metaphor of a vibrational frequency like you and i talk about the energy signature and from that perspective absolutely our soul has that we all come in with different levels of souls older souls younger souls, souls with different missions And then we make choices that are aligned with our soul and help propel us to where we need to go or that are misaligned and then lead to some growth opportunities for us and perhaps some hardships. And so for sure, I think every part of us has some form of energy signature, either physically or metaphorically. And the soul is certainly part of that
0: too. I don't get the difference between physical and metaphorical here.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because I think the soul is this ephemeral transcendent entity And I'm not sure if something energetic per se has a vibrational frequency, as does something that is made of matter or physical.
0: Uh All right. But if you listen to yourself, you implied that the soul contributes to the energy signature of the person. Very much
1: so. Very much so. Well,
0: okay. again, we're getting into the mind brain problem. So where's the link between your soul and your version of the soul and the energy signature that comes out of the body
1: exactly and and i think that's the question that's the unanswered question of science how are the soul the mind the spirit the body how are they connected and at what level we all know that they're connected we all know that the body exists in the three-dimensional world we have a mind is the mind purely the brain the reductionist model or is the mind actually transcendent and the brain and our body are. A filter through which the three dimensional time space reality can be channeled into the here and now. So, these are, I think, all very big questions. Well, that's, as to that's How that's, these things are connected. Exactly.
0: For you, Stanford philosophers, that's the hard question of philosophy, that's the connection between the two. But you've just given me a hint that I think the soul peeks in to the other three with some kind of energy. As well, I think you intuitively were saying that without really, now that I'm challenging you, you're, you're separating them. I, I think you're probably right in the first way that you're talking about it. Because when you say, I met somebody who is a good soul, um, what's happened is probably what you were suggesting getting to your soul is, is knowing what your purpose here is, mission driven as well as knowing how you're connected and that you're connected and experience your connection with what's around you. Those two are essential parts of being a soul. I think that's a great definition going to Mexico and coming up with that from it, nice and simple. That's the kind of clarity us dumb Yale people need to have because we want to be able to understand it. And and part of the fun of uh, being smart and going to good schools is you can ask dumb questions. And that's what we're doing right now. They're not dumb, they're just like, I don't know. So I can ask because I know I can ask questions sometimes that are are useful for trying to figure out things. So I think uh, we can see what you say about this, but what I'm interested in so much as a clinician for humanity is to be able to help people do what you just described the soul is intended for, purpose, individual purpose, and individual connection to the greater something or other. And being able to somehow psychotherapeutic, spiritually, synchronistically, which I think coincidences can help with that, helping people get to being in contact with and expressing their soul is going to have a major impact on the energy signature.
1: Absolutely. And I think that The soul is one of those things, Bernie, that we never see, like we see the body directly. I see you, you see me. We don't see the soul directly. We see the soul through inference. We see the soul by virtue of the consequences of somebody's life, which then enables us to deduce how aligned or misaligned they are with their soul. Exactly. Exactly what you said.
0: Well, I'm getting so that I think I can pick up right from somebody. It's not a metaphorical. It's not indirect. It's really right there. Uh, And and the more I'm able to be in my soul and my purpose, the more that, as you know, elicits that response from other people. Uh, and mm. it's part. Sometimes it's quite surprising. <laughs> I, I'm just being myself. Oh, oh, oh what? <laughs> so I'm yeah,
1: and, and I know what you mean with that too, because you know, especially now, I think things are so much more telehealth. But I remember when I would see patients in an office for many, many hours a day for many years. You can come in and after a patient would leave, you you don't just have the, what the patient told you and they're presenting complaints. You have the gestalt. You have the soul of the person. You know what their issues are. You know what their struggles are. You have 20 different frameworks through which to interpret them. You really feel like you see their soul. It's very deep, but you don't really see their soul because what does a soul look like? But you feel their soul. You, you feel go, it.
0: You, know? you yeah. feel it. And that's yeah. real that's real to it and that's feeling it i know with your with your heart your your body maybe all three of the modalities you're talking about are the way you pick up somebody's soul so that was the soul uh, digression that i love it uh, i love
1: talking. it i think it's so it's, it's so right like how do you no one's ever asked me how do you conceptualize someone's soul how does it, what does it look like how does it connect to the mind and body and those are the key questions really of science and that you and i are pondering
0: that's what we're pondering <clears throat> That's what Yale wants us to do, Answer, ask the questions that they're, they don't know how to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so what I wanna go to next is I'm thinking something and that does something to the, or I'm feeling something, I'm frightened or I'm having a good time doing something. And my energy signature changes in what you're calling frequency and i'm i believe that you can go faster or slower but i think that's a crude approach to it i think there's i think it changes some the energy signature i think not just in frequency but in something and i can't really put words on it what do you think of that
1: absolutely absolutely yes like what actually happens yeah and i think i mean is it our soul is it our heart is that the the electromagnetic frequency of our heart changes and therefore we're able to create shifts in, I mean, this is, you know, I've gone to a lot of Joe Dispenza retreats lately. and He talks about this concept of heart brain coherence. So getting your heart and your brain into coherence with each other and that, that somehow healing the body. And what he creates in his meditation retreats is this very powerful field, a very powerful field of like the 2000 people all meditating together. And a lot of these people then have, healings and some people miraculous healings from incurable diseases and the way that you do it is you let go you get into your heart you feel great love and that love your heart opens so much you release so many endorphins so many natural healing chemicals that your body then heals so it's very it's a very powerful concept and i've certainly seen people like that heal themselves from incurable cancers
0: wow and it's it's opening your heart to the love that's already around you and that's what the meditation is able to help people do that's a that's that's a beautiful description of uh, what might happen so i'm starting to to visualize your description of that energy field created by 2000 people meditating and there's some of them that are going to go into weird stuff some more psychologically psychodynamic childhood things and that's going to change the field some and others will get up higher but the sum of the field can be a healing thing because most hearts are opened and love and the love vibration fly vibrations good vibrations just love vibration is kind of what we're talking about or getting towards i mean being able to have your brain or your mind not caught up in too much rational thinking it's always nice to have a little bit of that i think but to see to check on what you're doing but not have it always there but to be in the moment of the feeling with the other people the energy signature of the individual is changing or is changed in that space and how much you visualize the energy signature of the individual in that 2000 people having changed.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And how do you visualize that? I think it's um, like, I, I know what happens to me in those, and I've gone to five or six of them. It's really fascinating. There's something that happens. I really do feel even once you get right into that energy signature, but especially after you're there for a few days and you really start to get into coherence with the other people and with, Things start to change in my outside world, and the things that needed to move forward just start to move forward. I get emails of projects that needed to, that I've been waiting for a long time to, you know, shift, and they just shift when I get into that field and elevate my state like this. So it's very, very fascinating. I do feel that. And it's this idea that we um, uh, get into states where we shift our own vibration and then our destiny close to us, far from us, shifts as well. So it's almost like the only work we need to do, I mean, obviously we need to go out into the world and make things happen, but often the work we need to do is on ourselves to elevate our own vibration and then draw in what we need to draw in. Like we need to start inhabiting the time and space of being who we want to be, meaning feeling the emotions as though they've already happened, thinking the thoughts as though they've already happened. This is one of Joe Dispenza's ideas of getting you know becoming who you want to be before you are that person and thereby drawing that in and it's a very difficult skill set because often we are only the person that we are right now and not the person that we want to be and so to become who we want to be and to learn how to feel emotions before they actually come is a whole different skill set nobody's taught it's very interesting
0: unless you played football um because I would imagine running the opening kickoff for a touchdown and being able to do that a couple of times. I mean, if you imagination is funny. It makes it, anyway, a funny world's funny. It, it, it Imagination is very powerful, especially when you imbue it with energy of reality that it really is happening. And you can do that a couple of times. And we can, what I've noticed, what I noticed recently is uh, this good friend of mine was imagining something And that helped me imagine it, but I didn't know she was imagining it. But then she decided not to imagine it anymore. And then I kind of like, what? So, and she she took responsibility for imagining something with me that was not going to happen, that she didn't want to have happen. And I respected her very much for that because our own imaginings influence influence the imaginings of other people. But I'm still trying to get us to talk about... uh, the energy signature and what i hear you describing is variations on the sig that signature there's a basic energy signature uh um you know it's this kind you kind of come with one i'm suggesting uh, that's yours but you're describing getting into coherence with other people's energy as they rise and i'm curious you don't know i don't know but i'm curious about how my personal energy, your personal energy signature changes with the, with the coherence in a 2000 people meditation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a fascinating thing. I can tell you. Um, so there was something, something I was waiting on this outstanding email and I, the retreat hadn't even started. And I got to Panama for one of the Joe Spencer retreats and I went, I, it was going to start the next day. So I got to my hotel, went to bed the next morning because I was in that space, something I'd been waiting for months for the next morning. It's in my inbox. Is that a coincidence? It would be a coincidence unless it happened every single time I went to a Joe Dispenza thing that every time something like that shifts, you know? So it's very interesting. Um, and, and the retreat hadn't even started yet, but like the people had gotten there and the coherence was already starting. But this is the other thing that I always notice in my life is, um, time slippage, this idea of time moving forwards and backwards, and if I'm about to go do something that has profound healing implications, I'm going to feel the healing implications of it maybe a day or two before. Like, I will just slip into that time and already borrow that time. It's a very fascinating thing, and I've noticed that, and a lot of my patients describe that too. They're like, we made an appointment with you, and I've had these horrible anxiety symptoms, but then the day before, the anxiety symptoms just went away. And you know, and I've had numerous patients say things of that nature. And of course you can say, well, that's because you've decided to finally deal with your anxiety symptoms and made an appointment and were going to talk to me. And you knew consciously and subconsciously that that was going to be the case. And I think that that's part of it. But I think the other part is that we vibe with each other and maybe in them making an appointment with me, they started feeling my energy and the energy of the session we are going to have. And that, that also somehow there was a time slippage effect. They felt the therapeutic benefit of the session before the session had happened. I felt the therapeutic benefit of the Joe Dispenza energy field before I'd gone into, you know, the Joe Dispenza work. It's really fascinating.
0: It is. And your, your uh, descriptions are wonderfully practical. Because what you do is talk about the outcomes mm-hmm. rather than what I'm doing. Which the
1: mechanism. Is, <laughs> you're trying to get the mechanism.
0: I'm trying to get to the mechanism. I'm not going to try anymore because we're getting near the end of, of this. We Because uh, we're going to stop in about 10 minutes or so uh, or a little more. Uh, but I see that you don't have an answer. And I know you don't because it's hard to do it. But when I'm doing this, talking with you to, to get a, a, a moving picture of how the energy things change, you're giving me an idea because what I do is imagine what you're telling me and start seeing how things are happening. The, the energy field, going to the energy field, being into the energy field of uh, anticipation. Now, patients do get better uh, sometimes just having made an appointment and they don't show up. Uh, if you do the research, you'll find that they'll they got better some of them. and uh, and one session really helps a lot of people. And David Mallon did a like research with that one too. You probably saw that a long time ago. And, and so how does that happen? But we start with the description. Have to start with the description. And that's what you're doing. And you're what you're doing is painting the connections that I, that I can then paint. Uh, you paint the connections in my mind so that I can see some of them. Uh,
1: And I I would say that the mechanism, if I were to distill it down to a mechanism somewhere in the heart, it would be heart coherence. And getting into like a heart rate variability that lowers your sympathetic system, increases your parasympathetic system, gets your brain and, and coherent with your brain waves, bringing your brain waves into either a meditative state of delta or theta to you know some degree or low you know low beta, so that your brain is a little bit more relaxed, so you can be in a state of receiving, receiving downloads, receiving information, receiving a sense of peace, and that your heart is open. The heart coherence is open, open to love, open to connecting with other. people people as opposed to being closed and where you're too much in your brain so open heart permeable mind and being able to be receptive to what comes in
0: and having your body be in decent enough shape
1: precisely precisely and that's a huge part because we could be doing all the spiritual work that we are doing but if at the end of the day we're not caring for our body and that our body you know it's going to limit how much we can ascend but then there's also these amazing yogis who have had very you know extensive lives as yogis and then they're able with the power of their mind to change the or calibrate the vibration of the food coming in you know and every now and then eat something completely off and not be affected by it at all so i mean yes yeah, so it's very interesting i feel like it's a whole other science of study
0: ramdas uh had a stroke as you know and and i saw a quote from him uh it's like i i think i needed to take care of my body better he, so he was so much into it, the spiritual thing and uh, that spiritual bypassing can be bypassing of your own body as well as uh as well as getting away from uh, the problems of the, of the world itself and i hadn't put those two together uh, spiritual bypassing and body attention uh until we just talked about that right now what i think i'm trying to to visualize it and I'm not going to do it, try to do that anymore is the sum total, not just coherence in the way you described it and body thing, but the thing that I experience of other people. That's the thing um, I want to know about. And then because uh, I love interpersonal uh, analyses, psychotherapy got me involved with that a lot. I want to see, I want to see how um, people resonate together. Now, what is resonance? What is resonance when two people resonate Taylor? What is that?
1: Yeah, it's the way in which one frequency and amplitude of waves, of the electromagnetic waves as human beings. uh, My electromagnetic waves meet yours and we somehow resonate. Um, And, you know, there's some sometimes I don't know if you've ever felt that, but you get into some people's fields who are like gurus. And then you just immediately feel very different around that person. I don't have this with very many people at all, but I did have this. I work with a um, psychologist and spiritual teacher, Henry Grayson, and I would get into his field and his I would field, his, field. his field and I would just immediately feel zonked and a little tired, not in a bad way. But his energy was very, very high and very expansive. And it would affect me to like the point of like calming me down, like, Anna, chill out. <laughs> so it, it, it happens. These people, you know, if, even in our profession, but sometimes you get into the field of a guru and you just feel this and everybody else has different energies. Like um, I think about Amma, the hugging saint, you know, from India, the woman who comes and hugs everybody. I've been in her energy field. There's nothing at all sedating about her field. It is so uplifting and amazing. And people come into her field and get hugged by her for, you know, and it just elevates their consciousness. So it's very interesting
0: increasingly i've hugged people and tears come to their eyes Mm because it feels so good and i like i'm going like what what what's going on here and so it's a reflection of some kind of change in me that allows that to happen one one guy hugged me and then he went away and he says i got to get some more of that so come back and hug there they're getting something and and i wonder if sometimes in that case where that was an energy vampire thing, as you were described nicely in your book, too. I'm so glad you bring that phrase in, that -hmm. some people will take the energy that we may have that's higher and take it into themselves, almost like stealing blood from us.
1: It's, It's so interesting, right, that we are all affecting each other. And, you know, I had this once, for sure, for sure. I think that happens very much. It just reminds me of a patient I had In one of my first years when I had a supervisor um, and it was a patient who would come in, a young woman, and she would come into the room and I would immediately just get so exhausted and it would happen with nobody else. And I'm like, what is this? And I asked my supervisor, here's what happens. And they're like, she is enraged about something and um, she's and and that energy is somehow coming and, and zonking you. And and it ended up that that was exactly the case. And when I would ask her, I would tell her, you know, um, when you come in, I sometimes feel this um, fatigue immediately. And it makes me wonder that sometimes happens when you might be angry about something. What uh, could you be carrying anger that you and I haven't explored? And then she went into these dreams that she had about an ex-boyfriend, where she was murdering him, and you know, like she had a lot of rage towards an ex-boyfriend, and it wasn't something that she and I had really consciously processed. And as soon as we processed it, I stopped feeling tired in those sessions. Like that, that, like whatever that transaction was, it was processed, metabolized, and released.
0: Wonderful, uh, and that that gets us to um, the slips of the tongue that you described. Um, I, I saw a patient after two weeks who went on a trip. She's pretty phobic about getting uh, the COVID. And uh, first thing I said to her was, you're, you're, you're not dead. And it turned out to be. That's what she was terrified of. And we got into discussions of her dying in more detail than we ever had before, her fear of it. And you have plenty of examples of that. We pick up things from each other. And I think it's an energy field. And this is on Zoom. It wasn't like uh, live. And I'm getting more sensitive to picking up energy through the Zoom. I can feel somebody's love coming through Zoom now, not as strong, but it's there and look into their minds. I can watch their minds as a kind of trying to watch with yours. It's, a, it's, it's potential to do that. But we, we enter into these, I'll call it with you, electromagnetic fields that contain energy and information. And because we are open as therapists, and curious and wondering and want to see what's going on with them, we pick that up and then it comes into us in some form that we can translate. Sometimes you know what it is. Sometimes you have to get a supervisor for it. And sometimes we don't know what it is, but it blurts out of our mouths and there it is. And the patient can then confirm it. And that's part of what I'm trying to talk about with you is, the, is the, what happens in the energy fields between people. And that's what we've done pretty well with today.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's fascinating. Yes, exactly. To be able to to feel people. And this is a whole new thing, Bernie, to feel people through Zoom. A whole new skill set, right? Or through the phone. Yeah. And when you think that time and space are essentially, you know, something that is reducible and that we can indeed really truly connect. And it's a beautiful thing. It happens happen by the phone, by Zoom, like in any way certainly in person it's easier perhaps, but you know, for some people it's the opposite for some people in person, it creates too much anxiety because you're seen. too much of you is seen and having these levels of, um, boundary, whether it be by zoom or by phone actually enables them to be more vulnerable, authentic, and true to themselves and to the therapy. Absolutely.
0: And sometimes just answering uh, questions from a robot is easier for them too. But uh, yesterday, yesterday I was talking to a guy, uh, near Auckland Museum, New Zealand, on Zoom, and uh, he lives in a a rainforest, and he, he showed me the trees on Zoom, and I could feel the trees. I was just there, immersed in it, and That's an example of what you're talking about. Once you're open to the possibility, you can be many different places. And I think of this thing as techno mimicry, where technology mimics what our potential is, as well as we can... Wright Brothers learned how to fly by looking at how birds did it, but also technology anticipates the future of what human beings already can do. So I think we have to, you have to get going to see a patient, and uh, there's more for us to talk about someday, but I think we'll, we'll, end, we'll, end, this, we'll end right here uh, and uh, recognize that, hey, Anna, we got more to talk about.
1: We have so much more to talk about, Bernie. I so enjoy this, but I love that we've planted the seed, which will grow into a big, big tree eventually. And this is beautiful. Thank you. And thank you for the work you do and for what you're bringing into the world, Bernie.
0: And may I mirror that back to you. So au revoir and shalom, Anna.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Bernie. Likewise.
0: This fear is our man. To like a hologram
1: Of cosmic consciousness.